Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hello and welcome to episode 9 of Cow Corner. We're here today to review the England versus Australia ODI series that happened last week. Chat about the uh, the Vitality Blast in the UK and uh, we'll quickly chat about the IPL which just started this week. I'm here as always with Glenn who is in sunny looking Wyoming today uh, with a nice England ODI top on. Glenn, how are you? Yeah, I'm good, thank you, mate. I've still got my eye on those blue ones. I really want to get one of the blue ODI, ODI tops from the uh, from the from last summer, but they sold out everywhere. So if you see one, send a link my way. <laughs> I will, mate. They're, they're, I've got the cap if that um, interests <laughs> you at all. The matching cap. Um, I'll hit you up if I see some. Uh, and Zach, how are you, mate? Um, you're looking good, looking well up in the north. How are things? How's it been since um, you know the cricket last week? It feels like a while ago. How have you been? Yeah, yeah, I've been good. You know, I mean, very disappointing result for Somerset today, but we'll come on to that. Makes me a bit sad on a Sunday afternoon. But yeah, you know, Leeds is good. It's been actually quite nice the last few days, which is nice for September. How did everyone's FPL team do? I know this is a cricket podcast, um, but to remind our listeners and thanks to everyone who's joined the league so far, there is a Cow Corner FPL league. Check our Twitter at Cow Corner 8 if you still want to join. There's still plenty of time. We're like a week and a half or a week and three quarters in now. Glenn, were you any good this week? Yeah, I've been pretty happy, actually. So, yeah, um, shout out to the couple of people that we don't know who have joined the podcast. We, I know. We love that. Thank you so much. We've got a couple of listeners. That's awesome. Um, yeah, it's been a decent week for me. I, I held steady. I kept Son and he rewarded me with um, four goals, I think it was. Someone in my other league from back in line just captained him. So fair play to them for almost 50 points. I think he'll be on uh, by the end of the day. And yeah, I, I captained Aubameyang, as I think all of us in the call did. Didn't really pay off, but I also kept Mitrovic, who got who bagged a couple of goals, got 12 points. I'm very happy with that. Just looking to shift out Che Adams, I think, because he hasn't done mm-hmm. much up front so far. Uh, but very happy. I think decent week. Good start. Zach, similar? Well, yeah, I mean, I didn't have the worst. I've not had the worst week so far. I kept faith with Kane and obviously got the four assists and a goal. And I also captained Aubameyang. I have panicked and taken a minus eight for next week already and brought in Calvert-Lewin, Rodriguez and Son. So, you know, I mean, I'm not doing that badly, but I'm already panicking. So (laughs) I love a minus eight before the previous game week's even finished. You know, we're halfway through uh, Leeds Burnley (laughs) at the minute and City is still going to play. But, you know, we'll see how that pays off. Um, So, yeah, Cow Corner 8 is our Twitter handle and you can find the league code on there if you want to join. Uh, there's a hundred shirt in it for the winner. Don't forget that. That is worth more than anything um, at the minute. So let's get on to the cricket, what we're really here for. And we had what does seem like a long time ago, a, a wonderful ODI series between England and Australia, all hosted at Old Trafford. Um, and we had some really good cricket to end uh, the men's international summer. Uh, some of them we didn't think we were going to get, but um, I think we've all enjoyed uh, immensely anyway. If I do a quick summary... Of the three ODIs, Australia won the first ODI, um, set England 295 to win. Useful runs from Maxwell with 77, Mitch Marsh with 73, um, got them to 294 for nine. Uh, Arch and Wood both took three in that game, so, so some nice bowling from them. England's run chase was pretty dire, to be honest. We, we were chatting about this, recording the last podcast live. A wonderful 100 from Sam Billings, who I don't think got the 100 while we were recording. Uh, wasn't enough to get England over the line. They only made 275, recovering from 57 for four, but it wasn't enough in the end. Uh, Adam Zampa with four for 55. I'm looking forward to chatting about him and his performance in this series. Second ODI, England won by 24 runs. Um, they set a, you know, what looked a good score on a really awful wicket I couldn't stand this game again we'll come and chat about it it was really bored me this game um 231 for nine really struggled to get going 
Uh, Roots, 39 off 73 balls. Uh, at one point, he was two off 23, and I was just at my head in my hands. Uh, and Morgan's 42 off 52. Helped the middle order, and there's really good runs from uh, Rashid and Tom Curran, 35 and 37 respectively. Got England to 231 for nine. Australia, similarly to the T20 series, are cruising at one stage, 144 for two, before an almighty collapse, I'll call it, um, of the middle order. Saw them lose four for one, I think, off the top of my head. Maybe a few more. <laughs> um, Sam Curran, uh, Chris Wokes doing the damage there as the middle and bottom order collapsed, and they were bowled out for 207. So England won by 24 runs, which set up a fantastic third ODI, which was somewhat nail-biting, I think, for me, Australia were always due to win this one. Uh, England setting 302 for seven on a much better wicket, a much easier wicket to bat on. Uh, Roy and Root, uh, two golden ducks. Mitch Stark with uh, first two deliveries of the match, getting two wickets. Bears 112 and 57 from Billings and 53 from Wokes. Took England to 302 for seven. A little bit under par, I, I think, on the day. Well, obviously, it was because Australia won. Uh, they won it by three wickets. They got 305 for seven. After a, a top order collapse this time, which took him to 73 for five, and then a wonderful 106 from Alex Carey and 108 from Glenn Maxwell, followed by a booming six from Mitch Stark to finish the game off. Uh, got them over the line with two balls to spare. A real nail biter in that one. Um, Morgan choosing to bowl Rashid for the last over of that one, which we'll come on to talk about. So there you are, boys. Um, England lose at home for the first time in five years in an ODI series. The last game was really close, and there's a lot of talking points to come in from. The batting, I think. I think we all enjoy talking about batting a bit more. Heavy nods from both the boys there. Uh, so, Glenn, I'll come to you first. Um, on the, on England's batting, give me give me your thoughts on that and also just what you thought of this series and, and what stood out for you. Great. Thank you for that summary. That was just what I needed there, Dan. Um, so, starting off, I think a lot of batsmen were misfiring. We can probably talk at length about Jason Roy's really poor form with the bat you know he got a high score of 21 and he got 24 runs over the series averaging a pretty awful eight so he didn't look him particularly good nick i don't think anyone really um except bearstow and billings at times looked at their best with the bat i think we became really reliant on the tail honestly chris wokes was just as important with the bat as he was with the ball for a lot of the um, for a lot of the series uh, we were reliant on, you know, runs from Rashid and Curran in, in, in from both Currans in a lot of games to really to really see us to any um, sizable total. Yeah, probably down to Roy's form, but the opening duo of Bairstow and Roy just didn't look nearly as destructive as it did during the World Cup last summer. There seemed to be something missing there. Uh, and then Rue and Morgan just weren't their best. You're looking at a high score of 39 for Rue, 42 for Morgan. Not what you really expect from two of the better players in the world, I would say, at the, the one-day game, especially Morgan. Rue, I mean, I, you know, he could, you know, he's done one in the, in the domestic T20s, but I always see him as this test player. But And then Butler, you come to Butler, and um, he had an average of four with a high score of eight. So he really struggled. So, yeah, as I mentioned, to be honest, the only batsman that showed any sort of consistency was Sam Billings. And I think he's really making a good case for himself to be part of this team in the long run. But very underwhelmed with the bat. I think we were reliant on our bowlers, not just for wickets, but but for runs as well. Which is what you don't want to see, really, especially in ODI. A few top order collapses there. Zach, I'll come to you on your thoughts on the series and kind of bringing on Glenn's point of that that top three or even the top two, where are they at at the minute? When they're in form, they're destructive, but when they're at a nick, they're pretty ugly to watch. Yeah, I completely agree with what Glenn said. It's, it's just very weird as an England fan to see Jason Roy and Bairstow not get off to a good start. And then if they don't get off to a good start, then Root kind of solidifies. He knocks it around for a bit. He ends up getting a runnable 50 and solidifies the innings. And that just wasn't happening. I feel like both of them, they need to play some cricket. Like Jason Roy, we talked about this before, has been really un- unlucky with injuries. And I mean, he did hit 72 um, to win, sorry, the game today. So he just needs to play some more cricket. And Joe Root's also been playing um, for Yorkshire because I think they're both they're both in terrible nick at the moment. And the end of the season's not come at a good time for them. It was so interesting to see that well, exactly what you just said. I think we've become so used to this England sort of... Um, recipe if you were an ODI cricket of we get to 70 for none of 10 or something and you're like okay cool and then it's so much easier for the middle orders to come in it wasn't great to see how we reacted when they didn't get off um a little bit worrying and I will come back to to Roots knocking the second ODI I know the pitch was 
rubbish or whatever. It just it just looked tacky and the ball wasn't coming on. But two off 23, and I think it might have been two off 30 by the end of it. He just couldn't get away. And, you know, Glenn is his place in the side up for grabs, do you reckon, coming up? I mean, if I come on briefly to his bowling in the third ODI, the ball he got to dismiss Warner was an absolute jaffer. So um, what, let's talk about Joe Root for a minute. Yeah, I, I like that question. It's a tough one. And it's one that selectors never want to answer, especially yeah. as he's, you know, captain of the test side. I would stick with him for the minute. I don't see anyone, you know, really muscling their way in right now. But I think Zach's right, to be honest. Yeah, the end of the season has come at an unfortunate time because everyone just looks a little bit, you know, a little bit tired, which isn't surprising. You know, this series came on the back of sort of, a, you know, a run of bubble tests. A lot of players haven't seen friends and family, which, you know, led to to um, Butler taking a break. I think it was for one of the T20 games. I, I think there's been a really intense physical and mental strain on the players over the last couple of weeks, which is why actually it was lovely to see Glenn Maxwell, who's had a lot of issues with anxiety um, and some depression, to see him do well in this series. That was actually really nice, but, you know, on a personal level. But Looking at Joe Root, yeah, I just think I think he's probably exhausted, to be perfectly honest. It's been a really long summer. Yeah, he couldn't get the get the ball um, away when he was batting, but he was really handy with his offies, as you said. And it was almost a match-winning spell in that third game. He really demanded the ball, and he he was pretty consistent. Um, so yeah, I'd stick with him. I wouldn't say I, players played worse than him, and will probably still keep their places. But I think it's a really good question. It's something we should monitor over the next series of, of ODIs to come. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. I think it's uh, to do with him getting dropped from the T20 side, put this extra pressure on him as the fact he was there's that there were questions because it just made people question his role in cricket in cricket outside of him being the test captain. And I think it means that, that people are going to be people are looking at him more. People are thinking about him. Well, we talked about this about the test series about should we let him bat? It's kind of should we let him play test cricket again? like the putting pressure on him. I think he's so important. Like we've said, when, when England don't get off to a good start, that he's just there to solidify the innings and to knock it around, to feed the strike to the person who's in. And I think he's so important. And also you've mentioned his bowling. I think he's, I mean, he bowled better than Mo and Ali did and he bats better. So Mm -hmm. those eight overs he had in that third ODI were invaluable to Morgan. And that allowed him to kind of bowl his strike bowlers when he needed to then. Um, did anyone have interest in seeing ball for Yorkshire um, against Lancashire in the second Roses clash this week? Um, I think it was his second over, but you know that sort of, he bowls a little leg break every now and again. I've seen <laughs> him do it in the, te- in the test match arena and he's bowled this leg break to, I don't know who it was, one of the Lancashire batsmen. And it's he, he's the Lancashire batsman come down the crease and it just passes outside the edge and he got him stumped. Absolute jaffer. So I think there's something to be said about Roots bowling, especially if Moeen you know, isn't going to get in this side and we want some more spin-overs chucked in there. Um, we've lamented the batting slightly, but let's talk about Bairstow's 112 in the third ODI. He hit his way into form a little bit, um, I thought. There was an incredibly short boundary for that third game and he hit a couple of pulls over there where he started to middle the ball again. What I personally like about Bairstow is that he can grind out runs at the top even when he's not in particularly good nick. I think he showed that in the T20 series and... He doesn't have to always be that guy who explodes at the top and gets out for 50. That was a, a slow by his standards 100. So I want to know what you guys think about him. And let's have one more note on that opening partnership. Are you both still happy with that? I could just jump in because Besto, just looking at the stats, he he batted the longest for the first game and the third game. So he's really not shy about occupying the crease. Um, so in the first game, he got a really handy 84. He was there for 162 minutes. In the third game, what could well have been a match-winning um, 112 wasn't to be. He was there for 177 minutes. So for a one-day game, these are really long, patient innings. And I think you were spot on there, Dan. He can explode when when needed. He can attack. But he isn't afraid to watch the ball and to be that anchor. And I think that's what we need. Whereas Roy... I think it's probably fair to say that he's a bit more of a one-track player mm-hmm. and he will hit it. And when it comes off, it will be 50 off 25. But when it doesn't, as we saw in the series, he's going to really struggle because he doesn't seem to play himself back into form. He seems to just come out and hit every single time. What do you think, Zach? Yeah, I completely agree. Roy's such a form player. And like Dan said, because like, in, that, in that 80 that Bairstow hit, not at one point did he look like he was hitting it well. But he stayed there and he made the runs. And it was his, it was his slowest 100 that he's made, for, an ODI 100 for England. It was his slowest one. And, he, I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't 
it wasn't him back to his fluid best, but it was it was an important step in getting back to his fluid best, I think. And but Roy, yeah, well, like we said, he just needs some more cricket. He needs some more cricket for Surrey, where he can just whack around county bowlers. Yeah, I think I agree with that. I think you've seen that seen that today. Him playing for Surrey, um, a useful knock that should give him some confidence. Unfortunately, he's not playing again at home for a while anyway. Um, let's have one last note on the batting then and chat about Sam Billings. Um, a 50 and a maiden ODI 100 in this series. Uh, that 100 coming in, a losing effort in the first ODI, but a pretty good knock nonetheless. Um, batting at number six, Ben Stokes to come back into this team. Um, d- simple question to both of you again. Does he does he make your squad when Stokes is fit? Does he make your team when Stokes is fit? Sorry. See, I was gonna. I thought when you said squad, I was gonna be like, yeah, of course yeah. he makes the squad because that's a that's a much easier question. What's too easy but, a question? No, eleven starting eleven. No, he still doesn't. <laughs> I love Sam Billings, but he's the nearly man. He's been the nearly man for so long. He was the nearly man before the World Cup and then dislocated his shoulder. And again, he's the nearly man because. I mean, Stokes is a better player and Stokes can bowl. Yeah, it's the bowling for Stokes, isn't it? It's If there were two batsmen, it could be more of a debate. But because Stokes can bowl and probably will bowl 10 overs um, in an ODI, you can't have that. Um, Glenn, chat about Billings. And also, um, is Butler too high at five? Would Stokes come in at five if he was fit? And Butler at six? Because Butler still feels like he's coming in too high for me, especially if there's a, if there's a couple gone quick. These are great questions. Well, I'm going to differ with Zach. I think for the first time in this pod, I, I would keep him in, and I think I think Ali's got to be the person to go, and I think you can you can fit Stokes in that way. Mm-hmm. I feel like that makes sense. If we're going to have faith in Rashid, as in my opinion, one of the best T20 bowlers um, at this point in time across the world, going to keep Rashid, of course. We're gonna we're gonna back Joe Root to put in a spell. If he keeps this bowling up, I don't, as we discussed just earlier, I think he's he's enjoying his bowling more than his batting. He see when you're watching mm. him play, he seems to be in the groove a little bit more with it, which I love. So it's not a long term solution, and I've got a couple of spinners um, for us to talk about a little bit later. I think Zach especially will enjoy that. Um, but I, I would keep Billings at the moment. In regards to where Butler bats, that's a really tough one. It's hard to say, obviously. Yeah, it didn't work for him, you know, a five this this um, series. I mean, could you make a, a left field case for him to open up with Bairstow if Roy's not in form? Um, is there is that a conversation to be had, potentially? Um, but I'm not certain lower down the order. I, I, it'd be interesting to see where Stokes fits into that. I, you know how we chatted during the T20 podcast last week um, about Butler. We were chatting before about whether Butler should be an opener or a finisher. And it obviously turned out that we should have him as an opener, face as many balls as possible. Do you think his role could be more as a finisher in the longer form with 50 overs? And he doesn't need to be facing as many balls. And your number six is likely to come in with at least 15 overs left. And if he's not, just pop him up the order. Would you Would you have him at six, Zach? Well, yeah, I mean, because he, he batted at six in the World Cup. So I'd stick with the, for the moment, I'd stick with that winning formula of that top six. But I think with the with the Billings, if Billings is in the team over Moeen, then I would then I would probably put Butler down at seven. That doesn't sound right, does it? No. I think Butler. I think Butler in these teams, if he's going to be a finisher, which I mean, he, I feel like he is more in the ODI format. He he needs to be a floater, and he needs mm-hmm. to come in when there's 15 overs left, or when there's 20 overs left if we're really not doing well. Yeah, I, th- I think I agree with that. And, you know, obviously his place is secure in the team. So we'll see where that fits. I think I'm with Zach on the Billings one for the minute. You know, it, it's sad that 150 um, doesn't do it enough for you. But I just feel like he's he's a bit wasted there because he doesn't bowl. Um, I think it's the Stokes factor, isn't it? That mm-hmm. we're just kind of a lot of luxuries with him. Um, so that's the batting for the series. You know, some highlights and some lowlights. Obviously, again, that Joe Root innings took years off my life. Um, I'm sorry, Joe. <laughs> I disliked it. Let's have a little chat about the bowlers. So we've got um, a few that played actually that they rotated a fair amount. We've had um, Chris Wokes, obviously, it's the Chris Wokes podcast with a lovely new trim um, who bowled fantastically and, and batted well. Uh, both the Currens played Sam and Tom, Rashid. Archer and we had uh, Mark Wood as well for two ODIs. Um, Zach will come to you first. Who stood out for you? And is there anyone you're knocking at the door that can take one of these players out of the starting lineup? I mean, I think uh, the highlight for the highlight for 
England in, the, in this ODI series was our pace bowling attack. I think Archer bowled brilliantly. Wokes and Archer in that second ODI, they both took three three wickets each, and their, their economy was about three across mm-hmm. their ten overs. The Australians were just playing them out, waiting for their overs to be over because they were just unplayable. Wokes, I mean, this is the summer of Wokes for me. We had the summer <laughs> of Stokes last year. This summer is the summer of Wokes. It's been fantastic throughout. I know this is the Chris Wokes podcast. This is <laughs> this isn't new to anyone preach, here. Preach to the choir here. But, exactly. But he was brilliant. And I mean, for me, I might have even changed my T20 World Cup squad. Now I've seen Wokes bowl this well because just up front. He's just so good. I feel so assured when I watch Chris Wokes open the bowling for England in an ODI that it's always going to go well. He's just so solid, isn't he? And uh, weirdly, I just, I know this is a Chris Wokes podcast, but I forgot about him in the ODI format and how solid he was. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I completely agree. I was exactly the same. First ODI, I was like, oh yeah, Chris Wokes. He's amazing uh, opening the bowling in ODIs. I don't think you just see him in like sort of that mid 80s swing that he bowls in tests and you think, oh, that's going to be easy in, in you know, for 50 over batsmen to, to put him away. But no, he he was so solid and he was kind of integral to that um, Australian collapse in, in the second innings. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree with that. I think it's brilliant to see two pace bowlers, raw pace, um, Archer and Wood, bowling in tandem really and then you the, the, the beauty of that is you can have root maybe holding down an end and then if needed bring on some real aggressive pace from the other end yeah joff got seven wickets um at 21 which is very tidy uh mark wood only the three wickets in the first game but he looked very very quick in that final one mm. and it was a real shame that pace didn't convert to wickets uh sam curran tom curran yeah, very tidy. I mean, you know, Karen got three wickets at 11, so a very good average there. And I like Tom at the death. Like, he seems to be a, he seems to be really consistent towards those last few overs. Like, I didn't worry. Before watching this series, I would have really panicked seeing Tom Curran come on in the last over. Instead, we had to watch Rashid get carted um, into the channel. So that was a, that was a shame uh, and a talking point for probably in a couple of moments. But, yeah, I... I, I was really excited by our pace attack, and I think the bowlers shone where the batsmen really stuttered in this series. And as you said, Glenn, some of the bat, the bowlers shone with the bat as well. I'd like Absolutely. to, again, Chris Wokes, our hero, that shot he hit in the third ODI where he sort of, just Google it, I'm not going to be able to describe <laughs> um, just sort of went to hit the ramp shot over, over fine leg has then had to sort of adjust and just sort of clipped it where slip would have been, uh, but with that sort of parallel bat. And that was quite sensational. His 50 was very useful. Um, the 37 and 35 from Cohen and Rashid in the second early yard to get us that 230 mark, which looked quite healthy on that pitch, again, was very useful. And whenever we pick these teams, we, all, we always talk about how deep we can bat. And these guys don't come in every game and you know even when we do need them they might get out for a duck but if one in five or one in ten ODIs they can do something like that um it wins us games and that is another sort of um big plus for this bowling attack is that they can all bat pretty well yeah and I just want to just point to the stats like Wokes average with the bat 44 uh, mm. Rashid um 51 and Tom Curran uh 28 and obviously you've got some nod outs which elevate yeah. these a little bit right because they're batting towards the end of the innings but even taking that into account you know high scores of 37 for Curran 35 for Rashid and a brilliant 53 for Wokes not many teams can claim to have people batting below six getting scores of over even 15 so I think yeah I think that that is a real talking point it's something I think all three of us really lifted out of this series as a big positive the all-round the all-round genius of, of some of our players especially Wokes is just yeah, something to really savour right now. Um, and they rescued us in quite a few games. Yeah, I, I think that's a really good point because in, cause in T20 cricket, it's not so important because if your number nine's coming in, that, like it's not really like if, if that's happening, then there's something that's gone really wrong. But in 50 over cricket, it's so common that even if you hit a good score, like even if you get to 300, your number eight, your number nine, they, they will still have to do a little bit at the end. And it's, I think that's why this ODI side is so good. Because everyone can bat. I mean, we've seen we've seen um, Mark Wood get a Test fifty, so mm. very close to. So I mean, everyone can bat. It's yeah. so important. I think that's a good point to say that they will probably feature in a in a fifty over game. So even if they don't fire every game, every now and again to take us over the 
the line to a bigger score, take us over the line in a chase. It's fantastic. So very many positives there. Quickly on Sam Curran, I, I think when they announced the squad, I was, I was I was personally shocked to see him in there. Um, I don't really see a place for him. He played, was it instead of Wood? It would have been instead of Wood in that second ODI, right? It was, yeah. Um, and he got three for, again, was part of that big collapse. Um, for me, he's the sort of Billings of the bowling attack. Um, where does he stand for you guys in a full-strength England eleven at the minute? God, I mean, I for me, he doesn't make it. For me, at the moment, I think I understand why they're giving why they're giving him a chance because he's got potential. He's so young that it's kind of because like we spoke about this before, it's almost like him or David Willey. And David Willey is at the moment the better bowler, but he's eight years his senior. Mm. So I mean, it's understandable that they're giving Curran a chance, and he's done very well in the IPL, which we'll come on to. So. Yeah, his white ball bowling actually is better than I think I remembered it. A bit of a woke situation going, mm, Curran, and then, oh, actually, he's quite good. Um, what am I on about? I mean, all these bowlers are obviously very talented. Um, Glenn on Curran or any other bowlers you, you might like to see in this series? Um, I, I really enjoyed I really enjoyed Curran. I think he's made a real, real, a real name for himself, and he's really making the selectors have these difficult conversations like we have. He's definitely in that, you know, if it's not the first 11, I think it's mm. probably the first 13 that we're talking about, like yeah. really making a case to be in the team sheet. Um, just before we move on to Australia, do you want to just talk about the the spin really quickly, Dan? Do you want to just give me both, give me your thoughts on Rashid, maybe starting with Dan? Um, Rashid's class, he always is. I don't know what happened in that third ODI. I, I think he got kind of done in by Morgan. It was a gamble. I... I when he first came on to bottle, I was like, that's fair from Morgan. I don't disagree with that. Um, the two talents, maybe not picking the, picking the googly or picking the leg spinner. Obviously, it was, went horribly wrong. Um, but I just think in the middle overs, um, spinning it both ways, the control he's got, the wicket-taking ability he's got is, is fantastic. And then Root is, is a better bowler than Ali at the minute, I say unfortunately. I'd like to see Ali bowling. Uh, his best again but it won't be happening and that delivery to get rid of Warner was um, beautiful I think pitch leg hit top of off ideal yeah I mean Rashid didn't hit the heights that we come to expect I don't think in this series like he was quite expensive but I think although Root did bowl well I don't think Morgan should have bowled him for eight overs because it basically meant by the time Rashid was coming in both Carey and Maxwell were on 30 they were in they were seeing it well I think he should have got you should have been like, okay, Root, you bowled four overs, five overs, you've bowled well, you've given me the ability to be able to move around my bowlers, but now we've got two new batsmen in, two very dangerous batsmen, I'm going to bring my strike bowler on, Rashid has to come on then for me. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. Um, and just looking briefly um, towards who is going to come up and replace uh, replace Ali, okay, so say, say Rashid picks up a knock, he can't make the next series, who are we going to bring in? Wisdom put together a really nice list of potential um, potential backup spinners. I'm going to throw a few names. Zach <laughs> shaking his head. Uh, Matt Parkinson, Liam Dawson, Ooh. Mason Crane, Ooh. Don Bess, Nathan Ooh. Soter, and Ooh. Danny Briggs. Ooh. Any of them? Zach's in hysterics. Can I, can I offer any of them? I, I got the, yeah. the list went down. It got worse. Go on, Zach. <laughs> you were really winning. So, so for me. I've I've actually like, been listening to a few of the Wisdom podcasts and they've they've talked a few times about the idea of Don Best being an ODI bowler and it shows like no offense to the Wisdom guys they do a great job but it really shows that they've never watched Don Best bowl in a one day game. <laughs> oh, I've painfully sat through. He's, I mean, he's only played I think thirteen one day games in his career and I've painfully sat through him being picked for a one day game for Somerset and getting one for 70 odd and just being just not just not being there just him not pick, not getting his lengths right not getting his lines right and I don't really know where they're coming from with the idea he should be this ODI bowler I think he could develop into a very good test bowler but I don't think he'll develop into an ODI bowler that list was just sad and I respect all of those bowlers. I, I wish I was half as good as any of them, but for a replacement to play in the England ODI squad, that is just not a great wealth of bowlers. I read a really interesting article, an interview with Danny Briggs, actually, who is um, the record wicket taker in the T20 blast in yep. the UK. And they were chatting about why, you know, he's had a couple of T20, he played in the T20 World Cup, I think, for England in 2014 and why he isn't getting picked. And I just think it's the lack of 
mystery there or real interest. And I think he'll just get picked off by international batsmen. Um, Mason Crane, no chance. Um, get, get him gone. Parkinson, yes. I, I like the future for him. Um, I think he could be good. Um, again, oh, that was just a horrible list. It's kind of put me in a bit of a headspin. <laughs> it, it was. Um, sorry, sorry, Zach, I'll let you talk in just a second. Just Parkinson... Looking at the age, he's only 23, mm. and I like that. And, you know, he could be seen as, you know, at least in the net, working with Rashid to really develop his game um, as a leggy. And Leon Dawson at the other end of the scale is 30, so he is not going to be an option in, you know, in the long term. Um, Zach, any more thoughts? Well, I think the interesting thing with Liam Dawson is the idea, because obviously he was in the World Cup squad, I think the idea is that he's a spinning all-rounder. So he's the replacement for Moeen, because I think the immediate the immediate issue, like we spoke about last week, is the, is the spinning all-rounder, because none of the others can really bat I don't think I mean Mason Crane definitely can't bat but that, no. I think that's 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 the thing with Don Best that's one of their arguments is that Don Best can bat a bit but I wouldn't whether my spin on whether he can make 30 at number nine come on guys but, but it's the idea of a second spinner isn't it I think it's the idea of I suppose it's the idea of someone replacing Moeen because Moeen just isn't going to be playing for England for that long, I don't think. I would rather Joe Denley replace Moeen Ali than any of those bowlers <laughs> you just listed. I'd rather see Joe Denley turn his arm over. I'd rather see Dom Sibley turn his arm over. I was over. about to say that. Me too. I was pointing up. Adil, stay fit. Play for the rest of your Please. life. And Joe, Please, yeah. keep working on your bowling. That, that's what I've got to say. Um, word on Morgan's captaincy. Um, really good in the second ODI. Um sort of played it as a really small game um, and put the strike bowlers on, put Rashid on in the last over in the third ODI, maybe that was a risk. Um, still, he seems like a, a good character. Um, I don't know if you saw, there was a thing on the BBC that said, Andy from the Isle of Wight believed that uh, that uh, Owen Morgan should never captain England again because he bowled uh, Rashid for that last over. <laughs> It looks daft now, obviously, because Stark just lined him up. But you see where he's coming from. Um, I think his work in the second ODI outweighs um, his work in the third ODI. That, that's I, my opinion. I mean, I, th- I think he's got he's got a body of work that really, you know, yeah. <laughs> puts him beyond doubt. I don't think Andy's comment had much uh, <laughs> had much grounding. I reckon Andy's only picked up cricket you know, after the 2019 World Cup. Morgan's CV isn't isn't too bad. <laughs> Um, shall we come on to the Aussies then, lads? All I've got here in my notes is how hairy Glenn Maxwell's forearms are. I've never quite seen anything <laughs> like it. Um, obviously, they're very good at cricket as well. I hate seeing them happy, though. Yeah, it's, it doesn't feel right, does it? I, honestly, I usually, especially if, if you know my stream's working all right, I, I quite enjoy sticking around, after, especially after a close game and watching the interviews. I turn straight off after that third one. You know, those, those <laughs> smiles. Woof, nauseating, absolutely nauseating. <laughs> Uh, just a quick run through uh, a couple of names that we could probably talk about. Josh Hazelwood only got four wickets, but he bowled really tightly. Um, mm. Really interesting for player of the series there. I think we all are in, in agreement that Adam Zampha with, with a pretty masterful 10 wickets. Like, he's a bit of a joker. You know, we love him. I think they described his ta- his tattoos as Gapier tattoos in, in a yeah. which I absolutely love. He was just finding himself on a, on a journey. Um, around East Asia, but um, <laughs> that was hilarious. Uh, Alex Carey is a big talking point because I couldn't get my head around why he was still on the team. Honestly, I just thought he had to be tossed. And then he won. He won the game in in, in tandem with Maxwell. Uh, and then there, much like ours, their opening batters struggled as well. So it didn't really seem like a series for batsmen. Um, Zach, any thoughts on standout players there? Yeah, I mean, I was so confused by Carey because in that mm. second game, he was he was batting with with the tail and was and was feeding them the strike when it wasn't yeah. exactly a big score. He didn't need to hit too many big shots, but he needed to take control of that chase. And if he's going to be in that finisher role, oh, wow, he was just, it, it was like he didn't understand what he needed to do. Yeah. It was awful. And then he did, I mean, he obviously did hit a century in the last game, but he didn't look fluid, I didn't think at first. I think he was lucky to have Maxwell with him, controlling the chase and controlling... And being like the dominant partner, because otherwise I don't think Kerry would have got a score then either. So I, I don't know about, he's really disappointed me because I really liked him last year in the World Cup. Because yeah. I didn't really know him before then. And he'd just come in at the end and whack 40 off of 20 balls and looked really good. But um, no, yeah. 
Yeah, it was interesting, and just um, just to contrast with who I saw, so I saw um, Australia play against um, Afghanistan in Bristol um, in the World Cup last year. So it was really interesting to see a couple of the, couple of the same players. Um, Warner got 89 in that game, and he looked a bit of a shadow of himself in this series. Um, Aaron Finch, again, who I think is usually pretty consistent in the game against Afghanistan, he got a very tidy 66, so um, they dominated. Um, and it's interesting that Zamfer actually bowled pretty well in that game. And he just, uh, you know, he didn't stick in the memory, but he got three wickets in that game against Afghanistan. So, you know, he's been doing it for, a, you know, for a little while. He hasn't come out of nowhere, which is kind of how it feels, I think, for the three of us. He's just kind of a tiny bit just appeared and has bowled mm. really well. Um, but, yeah, nothing, nothing, almost nothing to write home about. Cummings didn't do enough um, for me. Stark, you know, bits and pieces, five wickets. Um, and obviously he delivered with the bat when he needed um but apart from that just it just felt as a series maybe because it was you know just coming towards the end of the summer but there were some really tight matches but maybe if we'd won the series i'll be looking at it differently i think it's kind of tainted that we did lose right i think that kind of ruined the end of it for all of us but yeah apart from you know that maxwell carey partnership nothing really sticks out in the memory as like iconic odi moments it felt like a very similar team to their World Cup squad. And mm-hmm. I know we talk about games should be important in the now, but a lot of those players probably aren't going to be there for the next World Cup in 2023. So it would have been nice to see, is it Josh Philippi? I like yeah. Jimmy play. We got a lot of chat about him. I think you mentioned him, Zach, a couple of podcasts ago. Their bowling attack just is their test attack, isn't it? Their OGI bowling attack is their test attack. And they sort of peak and trough all at different times like they would in the test game they'll have a nice spell one of Stark Hazelwood or Cummins and then maybe have a bad few overs toward the end of the inning so it was kind of like at no point were they on top of the batsman all the time some of them bowled great um and they stopped from getting away a lot of the time um and I think Hazelwood especially has got got the rubber on route he's got no idea what to do with them um Zampa yeah gap year tats bit of a gap year piercing as well um I like that um, I like him. He seems to strike early as well. I think in the first over or second over, he'd nick a wicket, which is so useful. Uh, I think he's kind of mastered his craft across the franchise cricket in the world and is bringing that. And with 10 overs to bowl instead of the four in the T20s, I feel like he was, you know, tossing up a little bit more, um, feeling a bit more relaxed. And yeah, I really like him. I think he's going to go a long way and, and it's going to be part of that team for a long time. And then Carey's not was so strange because he... It was obviously, as we said, so out of form. Got out on nine, but Archibald a no ball. His first ever no ball in ODI cricket, interestingly enough. And then everything happened from there and he made a ton. So, as, as a finisher, I think Nasser Sen got angry with him on comms. He just got no idea, has he? I don't think he likes that role, <laughs> but I, I don't know where else he'd go. So, I, I agree with you, Glenn. I'm just a bit flat about that Australian team, but maybe it's just bitterness. Just one one thing to add that, that I do really like Manus Labuschagne. We haven't mentioned him. I really, I, don't, I mean, he wasn't. I mean, he wasn't amazing in this series, but I really like him as a cricketer. <laughs> I like that he's kind of he's just kind of a bit more of a likable Smith because obviously Smith is obviously so not likable. He has loads of these little ticks, and especially when he was um, facing an arch, archer, archer was bowling to him. I think Archer bowled a bounce around and he just went whoa as it went past him, <laughs> and it was brilliant. And it was, and um, apparently he's been interviewed and he says he has no idea he's doing it, but it's just what he does to get himself concentrate, like yeah. concentrating and in the zone. Which is brilliant. Proper cricketing sort of nerd, isn't he? Like I think Steve yeah. Smith is idle from watching that documentary and he loves all the shadow batting and the little that leave they both do where they bring the bat in front of them and he's sort of a bit of a nuggety proper cricketer's cricketer, isn't he? he? Just he just breathes the game, I think. He's gonna be there for a long time. Good to see no Steve Smith, obviously. I know he was hurt, but still good to see none of them. Um <laughs> Is he out in the IPL? He'll be out in the IPL, won't he? So uh, he will be. He's playing. He's, he's actually playing on the same team as Butler, Archer, and Tom Curran. They're all playing on the same team. All four oh, that's of them. Interesting. Okay. They, 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 won't, they won't. I don't think they'll all four play at the same time. But they're all playing. Oh, and Stokes is on that team as well. So there's the five of them. Very um, and just one more link with the IPL and um, this Aussie team. It's very interesting that RCB replaced Kane Richardson with Adam Zampa at the last minute. So they would have been as happy as anyone watching this series. Because, like, honestly, he is probably wow. top two, top three for me from the series. Wait, was Zampa not picked up before then? No. No, it's, it's, quite, a, it's quite difficult for um, 
spinners who are non like Indians because obviously they only have four the four overseas players and there's a wealth of spin options in India. So I, I mean it'll be interesting to see how much he plays, but often they won't have RCB won't have more than one one spinner who's an overseas player. I mean it'll be interesting to see who they play because they've also got Moeen Ali. So if they're playing Moeen Ali, they're not going to play Adam Zampa, I don't think. But I mean on Moeen Ali's current form, he doesn't deserve a place on that side. So 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 let's talk about the blast. Um, the group stages finished this evening, the night of recording, Sunday, the 20th of September. We have the quarterfinals locked in. I'm smiling. The other two boys aren't. <laughs> uh, the quarterfinals will take place on the 1st of October. Uh, it's going to be Knotts versus the Leicestershire Foxes. Surrey versus the Kent Spitfires. Gloucestershire No Nickname versus the Northamptonshire Steelbacks. And Sussex Sharks versus Lancashire Lightning. Um, boys, what happened to Somerset? I thought they were shooting. Uh, well, Zach watched it, so he can probably dip in here. But it was a, a shocking end, and we can't bottle the death. Is my takeaway. No, I mean Somerset. Somerset have not been able to bottle the death in T20 cricket for a long time now. <laughs> Pati- particularly the last two years, we there's a lot, always a lot of talk about how fantastic Somerset's bowling attack is in the four-day format, and those same bowlers managed to go for 15 and over i think the most common statistic from last year was craig overton's bowling the last over oh he's been hit for 24 again (laughs) how's how's that happened because he just bowls the same length as he does in as he does in four day cricket and just gets whacked around we've this year they've experimented a bit they brought in ollie sale who is supposedly this new death bowler for us it's not gone well but he's inexperienced and yeah, it was a really, really disappointing blast. But we've had some young players come through. Tom Lamanby's did well again. Will Smead, who they've not even given a number to because he's not actually contracted to the club till next year, which I kind of love. Um, and uh, Lewis Goldsworthy made his debut, who I touted for potentially England's World Cup next year. And he took, he's taken four wickets in, across two games. We're not going to talk about today because today he was not very good. But, yeah, we'll just scratch off today. We'll go again next year. Barbara Zam will be there again. Maybe Tom Banton will get some games at Somerset in the T20, and we'll be really good. So, um, Can I just add on on Will Speed? Uh, he actually bought a season ticket, obviously, you know, before COVID and everything. He'd bought a season <laughs> ticket for the blast. And although he couldn't watch the games as a fan, he could certainly watch them while he was in the middle batting. So fair play to him. Absolutely that's, love that. That's so funny. Um I'll, I'll chat nice about Sussex Sharks and seeing as last week was a bit of a Somerset love-in. So we're going to have a little Sussex love-in. Um, I'm backing us to win the whole thing. We've got an unbelievable squad. Luke Wright and Phil Salt at the top of the order is disgusting. Visa's in there. David Visa's a great overseas. Well, he's a cold pack player. Uh, we signed Bopara last year. We've got Danny Briggs, um, the record-taking uh, wicket-taker. Delray Rawlins in the middle. He's starting to bowl a bit now as well. He took three for 18, I think, the other day against Middlesex. Um, so, yeah, all good. But I do like Lancashire. I, I did watch both of the Roses games they played. They've got a very useful squad. Uh, to be honest, I think we, we spoke about this before um, we recorded today. I couldn't name you a Leicestershire player. Um, <laughs> no disrespect to these counties. I couldn't name you a Gloucestershire player. Uh, no, no, I mean, I, I, not a Northampton one. I, I watched, because uh, they were in our group, I've watched. Gloucestershire and Northants play so I can name players from that Northants have got Paul Sterling the oh, Irish guy he's, he's been doing well for them uh, James Bracey who was on the fringes of the England squad is playing uh, is, has been doing really well behind the, the stumps with the gloves for Gloucestershire not been doing great with the bat um, no, I, th- I think Nottinghamshire are a really good shout because Alex Hales is as always doing very well in T20 cricket as he does around the world but for me, Sussex are going to win because their shirt is beautiful. Oh, <laughs> thank you. How good is that? Cricket shirts have never been given, um, county cricket shirts haven't been given the love that, like, you know, a third kit might get for a football team or any football team's kit gets. So I think this is going to be the start of a great era of county cricket kits because it's got some mad respect from across the country. That's like mad respect. Who, who am I? We're going to win. No, we're going to win. And I can't wait. Um, Thursday night in October for the quarterfinals and then a Saturday night a couple of days later. I don't envy that. It's probably good there's no crowds because I don't think I think half of them would catch pneumonia if they went. So <laughs> it's a good job the crowds have got to stay away for that. Uh, but we'll, we'll keep a keen eye on that. 
Should we um, quickly chat about the IPL? Yeah, just before that, um, there was a really decent um, article, again, in, in Wisdom. I promise other sources of Cricket Info are available, such as Crick Info. Um, yeah, and the title, this just came out today, I think, um, written by Ben Gardner, and he makes a really compelling case for elevating the T20 Blast a little bit. So the headline is, with just a little love, the T20 Blast could be box office. And I couldn't agree more. Um, it, the, it caught Zach's eye. He hasn't quite had a chance to go through all of it. But here's just a, a quick quote from it. Imagine the Wicked show on Sky, the BBC, or even streamed on YouTube. Um, very similar, um, the point being to, you know, Gillette Soccer Saturday on Sky Sports, which is wildly popular amongst fans. Just really giving it, I think, giving it a bit of love, just giving it a bit more respect. Um, because obviously we've got one of the biggest question marks over it is the launch of the 100, which thankfully has been delayed. Although hopefully shirts for that are available, talking of shirts for our FBL league. Um, and the, 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 the article concludes by saying, but maybe by putting the spotlight on county cricket showpiece for three days of the year, um, more of the theoretical uptick in interest in cricket can tickle down to the likes of Leicestershire and Glamorgan. Um, so basically saying the product's really decent, um, the T20 Blast. I've always thought this. I think it's a really entertaining tournament. And it also shouts out how splitting the groups up into three has been helpful for it as well, which I think is an interesting point. Um, anyway, just a really good thought. Like, actually, you know, invest. We have a product that works. It's marketable. It's fun. It's quick. You know, it's, it can be family friendly unless you're watching an Essex game, in which case it's very much not family friendly. Um, but yeah, I, I just think it's I'd recommend reading it if, if you're listening. Um, and yeah, I, I think just been off the hundred. Obviously, it's not going to happen, but we have a really good short form of the game. Enjoy it and give it some more um, elevation and put finals day on, on BBC. That would really help. Yeah, I couldn't I couldn't agree. I couldn't agree more, Glenn. I mean, we all are against the hundred, but. It's not going to get scrapped, but the, the T20 Plus is great. It's so competitive. Everyone really enjoys it, and we get some fantastic players, and we've not had overseas players. I think one of the big shames this year was that I think over the first weekend, because a lot of the time in the Blast, because there's so many games to play, there's, most of the games are at the same time, but over the first weekend of the Blast, there was lots of, there was lots of staggered um, start times. But actually, Sky only put on two games over the first bank holiday weekend. OK, England were playing a T20 series at the same time, but still, put a game on during the day, England are playing in the evening. It would get so many people watching it, so many more people watching it, because England are playing later. I just, It just needs a bit of love, like the article said. But it's just so annoying, isn't it, that all that money is ultimately going to be going in the 100 next year, a tournament which no one understands. You know, the, no the Blast now got a real core understanding. People get it. People get where it sits in the calendar and what it's about. They've now got to spend all this marketing money trying to re-educate people in a new form of cricket. So it is so sad that the money that is spent on a, isn't being spent on a product that is ready to go. I sound like Johnson. Bro, I was going to say, it's oven ready. It's oven um, ready. <laughs> Can I, can I just um, add one quick thing about marketing it? So obviously I'm, you know, I'm in America, and because we've got the pod, because I love cricket, I'm always, you know, talking about it with mates who don't really have a clue about what it is. And one of the most confusing points, um, and I can understand this, one of the most biggest differences between cricket and obviously American sports and even other UK domestic sports is the multiple forms of the game, right? Of course, you have different competitions for football, but for, for, for British football, but, you know, Champions League, it's still the same 90 minutes. What really perplexes people and actually puts them off is when I say, well, there's a five-day game, a one-day game, and a T20. Throw in 100 into that, it just makes it all worse. And just bottom line, for me, right, T20 is such a great way to introduce new people to the game. It's quick. It's fun. If you get the rules for that, you can transfer them to ODI and, and test. If you show them the 100 first, you, you know, new fans, younger fans, um, you know, fans who aren't from cricket-loving countries like India, England, Australia, whatever, they're going to have a whole different set of rules in their head and then come over to the traditional forms of the game it's going to be a mess and i didn't you know i didn't expect i didn't want this to turn to a 101 100 bashing but just it is frustrating when the t20 tournament has been so good and so exciting and yet we, we almost want to re-educate fans for when there's no good reason to do that yeah, just just to jump in on a bit of hundred bashing because you know, we all love it. Uh, I mean, I can't understand how much, like how they're going to have enough money to to market the Welsh Fire as the team for the West Country. I mean, this is something that they're never going to be able to do. And also, you talked about different rules. There was at one point an idea that they might get rid of the LBW rule or simplify it. That, that so they were going to take away some of the complexities of it to make it easier. Because obviously, this is for 
as they've said, it's for women and children who don't understand cricket to like <laughs> cricket now. I mean, it's shocking. The market is. Oh. Yeah, I, it feels condescending. Feels paternal. I don't I like can't it. Wait to see a, a Welsh fire um, advertisement at a bus stop somewhere near Taunton and just just wonder how <laughs> people are going to get their head around that. Um, great bit of hundred bashing. Should we have a hundred bash episode soon? If, if news goes a bit quiet on the cricket, should we just go yeah, in? Just go in for half and have a rant, have a quick rant. Um, do you want to just have a quick chat before we wrap up about the IPL? Maybe, Zach, I'll just start with you because I think you, you've got a better overview of it than Dan and I. What, what England players are you looking out for and who are you expecting to do well in this tournament? Yeah, so I spoke last week a little bit about how it's a big it's a big IPL for a lot of England players. Um, Roy and Wokes are two players who've actually pulled out. I think I said last week they were in it, but so it's disappointing to see that, that they won't be going. I think um, uh, Curran, both the Currans are there. It'll be interesting to see how they do, especially Tom Curran. I mean, Sam Curran, we saw him do really well, but I, I and I was very surprised to see him play for Chennai yesterday. Um, I think it'll be really interesting to see how Rajasthan doing because they've got you know four different England players so they've got uh they've got Stokes Butler Archer and Cur- Tom Curran so I think Butler is always fantastic so hopefully he can get back into some form after a poor ODI uh, Archer's always fantastic in the IPL Stokes hopefully we can see some T20 form and Curran it'll be interesting to see how he does um, I think Chris Jordan played today, bowled pretty badly at the death. I think Marcus Stoyne has hit him for 30 off one over, so that was a bit disappointing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, Stoyne was going absolutely berserk, though, so understandable. But yeah, it's, it'd be interesting to see, it's going to be interesting to see how the English players do. Uh, on top of that, uh, Morgan and Banton, both playing, for, both playing for KKR, will be interesting. KKR are my team in the IPL. So hopefully they'll do well. Dre Russ and Owen Morgan, great little pairing there. But I think um, personally, Mumbai Indians, the champions, favourites again, even though they lost yesterday. That's a great overview. Um, and how do you watch it in the UK? Obviously in the America, I'm just down to streams. Is it on TV or is it not? Sky, well, I got it, mate. Uh, last year, last year it was uh, uh, it was BT Sport, my men. But uh, now guys. it's uh, my guys, yeah. But now it's now it's back to Sky. Yeah, they put they've been actually advertising it a lot, which is good because I mean a lot of the time there's a bit of there's a bit of trepidation with the English fans over it because it comes at the same time as the beginning of the county season. It also overlaps a little bit with our with the one day cup um, like last year particularly. Um, but this season, obviously, there's not much cricket on at the moment in England other than a few blast games. So I think it could get a lot more interest in England. So it's understandable why Sky are putting so much into it. And the games are on at a good time because they're on at 3 p.m. every day. So you, you, and because and the IPL somehow manages to make a T20 game last four or five hours, you can watch it. You can watch most of it after work. Well, that's what I remember coming back from school and watching the IPL when it was on ITV4 way back in the day and uh, Matt Smith was hosting. But it's sort of the American football of the cricket world because they make the game last so long somehow. It is fun. Though I saw Chris Gaffney today, he points at his watch, probably, you know, a sponsored watch and it's a, a sponsor's timeout um, every. You mean the Say It Tires strategic timeout. That's the one. And there's like, if they hit a six, that's also sponsored by insert company here. It's, it's quite an attack on the senses, really. And this, I've caught a bit, I caught a bit of the game today. Um, the sound they pipe in is quite interesting because obviously um, what, what, what we've been treated to um, in the England game is the gentle hum of lords just constantly, regardless of what's happening on the field. Whereas they're still, they're piping in cheers when it's gone for a six or it still goes mellows down again. More of the sort of, how football have done it um I, i've not watched enough of worked out if it's worked or not though zach do you think it's working or is it a bit off so i i started watching a lot of the caribbean premier league towards the end of it because that was that was really interesting there's a lot um and they did it really well i actually thought there was crowds in the first game Ooh. i watched because they, they hadn't nice. shown the crowd and i thought i was like okay because the caribbean's not had many cases i was like they've got crowds in it sounds amazing and it was just that they'd done it so well whereas with the ipl it maybe it was the first game maybe today today it was a bit better but yesterday it was dreadful the timing was all off they were just putting in random bits of noise which i know there are random bits of noise but like in an ipl day 
game, especially because that would have been yesterday, it would have been at the Wankade Stadium in Mumbai. It would have been buzzing and going at it for the whole game. Yeah. And they were just like putting in little dribs and drabs, sometimes sometimes not even for anything. It didn't really work. <laughs> it would be great to see that. And I think it's interesting, a good time of year to have it on, like you said, Zach, and it's, I, I might try and get my teeth stuck into it. I find it all a bit overwhelming, the IPL. There's just so much going on. I don't really get I don't get the teams, you know. I think I'm a Kings Eleven fan. I, I think I supported them back in the day. And they're rubbish, aren't they, I think? Same as me, there. Dan. Same as oh, me. Like, I think I just love the name. They were the first yeah. team they, on ITV4, I think it was. They were the that first team it. I ever watched. And the yeah. name was quality. They yeah. were dross. Absolutely like, dire. They've, yeah. always, they've always been dross. They got to the final once. But that's yeah. it. But, I mean, the same teams kind of win it, don't they? It's, I mean, Mumbai and Chennai are the best. KKR have won it twice. I think other than that, another team won it once. But have you go. guys seen just to uh, just to wrap up? Have you seen the Mumbai Indians uh, documentary on Netflix? Zach, I think you might have. I have, yes. I really enjoyed it, especially because it was almost like the Suns until I die because they don't do very was, well. They don't even make out of the group, even though they were champions the year before. I thought it was really great seeing a lot more into the lives. It kind of made me more of a Mumbai Indians fan. I became, they became my second IPL team after watching that. It was really nice to see Kieran Pollard. I mean, yeah. he was great for Somerset back in the day, so I love him. And the the Pandya brothers as well, even though Hardik Pandya is a bit of a controversial character. But it made, they all seem like great guys. I thought the relationship with the uh, the mother and son of the owners was a bit, I don't know, I thought that the owners just seemed a bit weird. But they, they were a little bit too present, weren't they? And they, they, yeah, they were a bit creepy. They kind of spooked me out a little bit. They were, they were the kind of boss you don't want, like breathing down your shoulder, popping in for some weird celebrations when they won their one game a season. <laughs> they were like, hey. Um, but just for people listening, if you haven't seen it, thoroughly recommend it. Very decent documentary and a really good insight into the inner workings of like an IPL franchise team. Yeah, it was a bit. It was a bit like Daniel Levy in the uh, Top yeah. All or Nothing. It's a bit too involved. But yeah. <laughs> Uh, all right. Um, I think that's all we got to talk about. Uh, Dan, uh, anything tweet, extra? Tweet, tweet of the week. We got a tweet of the week or of the two weeks of, since the ODI series started. Zach? Uh, so I've got two. I've got one, one relating to the ODI series. It's Greg James, you know, a fellow cricket lover. I'm sure he listens to the podcast. Thank you, saying, saying after the second ODI, the eighth wonder of the world is watching an Australian sports team completely balls it up. Ten out of ten. <laughs> that. Thoughts with all the bins in Manchester tonight. <laughs> yeah, Lancaster then, hit two bins this 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 tour. The, the T20 collapse and the ODI collapse. Yeah, and then uh, to do with John Cleese going after Tom Banton, picking uh, picking to go to the IPL rather than maybe not even playing for Somerset in the Bobbleist Trophy final. Uh, George Doble said, a four times married man who moved to the to a Caribbean tax haven after supporting Brexit <laughs> criticised a 21 year old for his lack of loyalty. And there I was thinking John Cleese wasn't funny anymore. <laughs> that was such a weird little episode when he tweeted that. I'm like, John, what? Really obnoxious. Just no knees. Not, not a great place, is it? I think that was that was so funny. And he had bands who never would have played anyway. What's going on there? <laughs> right. Um, fantastic, boys. I think that will wrap up episode nine of Cow Corner. Um, we've got still a lot of cricket to look forward to, as you said, with the IPL the Vitality Blast wrapping up and Somerset versus Essex at Lords. When is that again? Wednesday. Wednesday. Okay, exciting. That will keep me going this week. Um, pray for Somerset. Pray for Zach and Glenn because it's been a hard year. You deserve We've suffered it. enough. <laughs> so uh, thank you so much for listening. We'll be back soon to chat about the Vitality Blast and we'll chat probably longingly about Somerset versus Essex, whichever way it goes. You'll hear it either <laughs> Zach and Glenn. Or as sad as Zach and Glenn. Uh, Glenn, thank you so much. Thank you, Dan. And Zach, thank you again. Oh, thank you very much. And we will see you soon, guys. Thank you so much for listening. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Mail checks, invoices, documents, and everything you need to keep your business running. Get rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS. And with the mobile app, you can take care of mailing on the go. 
Make the same no-brainer decisions as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.